This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. I hope everybody is having a great offseason. Going to have a lot of fun today. We're going to talk to the Gold Glove winner, Matt Olson. God, how good is he at first base? We know what a bat he has, but his glove is just as good, and this guy is a budding star in Major League Baseball. We'll also have six-time Gold Glove winner, Eric Chavez on the program to talk about Matt Olson and the offseason. Carney Lansford, the World Series champion from 1989 and a batting champion, is going to be down in Arizona for fantasy camp, so we'll talk to him. And then Mike Farron, who not only covers the Arizona Diamondbacks on television, but also with Jim Duquette on Sirius XM, they, uh, the Major League Baseball channel on Sirius XM, they have the great show, The Power Alley. So we'll talk to him about baseball. But up first, Matt Olson is going to be one of the best players for a long time in Major League Baseball. I do believe he will win an MVP award because of what he does offensively and defensively. And he won the gold glove, and we got him to stop by A's Cast Live to talk about it. Your first baseman, Matt Olson, is with us here on A's Cast Live. First off, Matt, congratulations on bringing home gold again. (laughs) Thank you. Glad to be on. You know, I just think about it. It's so special what you guys got going on with this infield, but... Uh, let's let's start with you. I mean, what, when you hear you win the gold glove again, just all the hard work that you put in, and I get to see it as we watch you prepare for every single game, what does it mean to you to be rewarded like this for all your hard work? Yeah, you know, it's nice to uh, obviously, you know, get, get an award like this and, um, you know, kind of get that recognition for, like you said, the hard work that, that you put in day in and day out and, um, you know, it, it's going to be great sitting up on the wall and, uh, you know, it, while it's, while it's an individual award, it, it still is, you know, everybody mixed in, uh, you know, we kind of feed off each other, especially defensively. Um, everybody puts their work in and, you know, we make, make each other better. And, um, you know, while, while this award's only coming to me and, uh, Chappie, it's, it's everybody's part. You know, and it's one of the things I, I think people don't talk enough about because, you know, we, we know how strong your bat is. We know about the power. We know about how many home runs the A's hit. But the reality is the core strength, and you can speak to this, the core strength of your team and the reason why you've won 97 games two straight years is because of your defense. 
yeah um you know we're obviously not a a huge market team um you know we we don't go out and, and typically pay a lot of guys 25 million dollars a year and um you know and that's the case where you know we do maybe piece stuff here and there uh you know fundamentals are a big part of that and um obviously defense is a huge part of fundamentals you got to be able to, to do the little things and i think everybody on the defensive side uh takes pride in you know being able to help out the pitchers and keeping they, their eras down and keeping us in a better chance to to win a ball game and uh that that collective effort you know translates to wins and how excited were you for 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 chapman also to win it again yeah it's awesome uh you know, I, I probably could have called that one before the season even started. He's, uh, you know, I, I, we've talked about this a lot before, but just have never seen what he does at third base. Um, you know, it's almost to a point where he's so good that it doesn't shock me anymore, and, and it's, it's some of the best plays that I've seen on a baseball field being made by him. So, uh, you know, I, I love the guy and, and couldn't be happier for him. And also for Marcus Simeon, even though that Marcus didn't bring home the award, the fact that he's a finalist, and I think about what a leader he is from a standpoint of Marcus plays every day. Marcus works hard every single day. And you guys coming up for the minor leagues, you got to see that. And when Marcus is working hard, how could somebody not? I mean, he totally leads by example. Absolutely. Uh, He sets the tone, no doubt whether it's, you know, offensively hitting leadoff this year or, you know, what he does on and off the field. He definitely uh, sets the tone for us. I think it started a couple of years ago when, you know, his defense probably wasn't at the spot that he wanted it. And, you know, you saw him out working with Wash and then, you know, whoever it was after that every day, early work, getting it right to a point where he felt like he was comfortable to, you know, dial back the work and and you know he got it to a level that he liked and um you know that level is, is gold glove caliber defense and uh you know I, I couldn't be happier for him too he's he's one of the best guys in baseball and uh one of the hardest workers well i i can tell you watching you play every day and watching you work every day we we mention all the time about your ability to scoop and take balls out of the dirt but one thing that I don't think you get a lot of credit for, and I see you making these crazy throws, is your ability to throw the baseball to where a lot of first basemen aren't great at it. You take a lot of pride in it. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy who's, who's kind of stuck over there at first, and you know, they, they want you to knock the ball down and flip it. Um, you know, I want to be an athlete over there, and. Uh, yeah, throughout the years, I've just I've kind of been able to to mix up arm angles and make pretty consistent throws. So uh, you know, it kind of translates when I'm spinning and, and throwing, trying to dur- turn double plays, or you know, coming in, throwing to play, whatever it may be, and uh, you know, kind of having that ability to to be a little athletic because you know you're going to catch hops that that don't have you in the perfect spot every time, catch you off balance, and you got to be able to adjust. Early in the show, I brought up a few years ago where you were on that AAA shuttle back to Nashville constantly, and that's very frustrating as a player. 
and they had you play an outfield, which now you look back and think it's ridiculous uh, as you won back-to-back gold gloves that you'd be in the outfield. But just talk about how you learned and how tough that was and how it made you mentally tougher and made you better where you are today. Yeah, you know, I, I learned a lot about myself. And um, while, it was, while it was definitely not a an exciting time necessarily, um, you know, I was obviously – happy with any big league time I got but uh you know it's never fun kind of being the up and down guy and traveling all the time being thrown in different lineups and different spots and um but you know at the same time I don't know if I'd be at the spot that I am right now because of it uh you know it uh definitely lit a fire and and uh you know I, I wanted to come out and prove that I that I thought I should be the everyday guy and um here we are you know, one thing that I'm going to be talking about and I'll talk about with you in spring training is back-to-back years, 97 wins and losing the wild card game. And the one thing that I've learned over the years is you got to believe that you can bring it home. My, my old partner, Bill Romanowski in football, would always say you can't win the Super Bowl unless that's your goal. You have to – the goal has to be – do you feel that's where you guys are now? Like, forget wild card, forget the division. Watching that World Series saying, you know what, we should be in that and we can win that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's been a little tough to, to watch the postseason the past couple of years, uh, knowing that, that we were one of the best teams in the league uh, regular season-wise and then, you know, ran into a tough one-game opponent both years. And, you know, obviously anything can happen in, in one game of baseball, and we just happen to be on the losing side of it these past, these past two years. And, um, yeah, it's tough. We uh, – we believe in ourselves big time. Uh, I think we we truly believe that that we could be a World Series team and uh, World Series champions. And uh, you know, while, while it didn't turn out these past couple of years, I think we're still we're still looking towards the future. Still happy about the the group that we have in there. And uh, you know, I, I think that's for sure the goal for us. Yeah, I think one of the good things about going into next season is there's not going to be a whole heck of a lot of turnover, and I think that's why people think the A's have gotten out to some slow starts. Is is that going to be a really good thing, you think, for your ball club, that your core, you're going in with what you know, you're going in with that same core going into 2020? Yeah, that's going to do nothing but help us. Um, you know, when, when there's a lot of turnover and, you know, we're all out there playing baseball, but um, – you know, at the same time, you still getting to know different guys, getting to feel them out, figure out how they kind of tick. And, um, you know, when, when you're bringing in the same guys, you know that everybody's on the same page. Everybody wants to work. And, um, you know, everybody's a good guy, like the guys that we have in there now. Uh, it just makes it easier. It makes it easier to, to kind of hit the ground running. You can, uh, you know, everybody, everybody can be on that same page of, of that one goal from the start. So when you when it's announced that you win the Gold Glove, how much does your phone blow up? <laughs> yeah, it blew up a little bit. Um, it, yeah, a lot of people from from back home uh, let me know. Obviously, a ton of the teammates, Bowmel. Um, yeah, it, it's awesome to, to hear from everybody, and you know, everybody will let you know that they've been following you, and uh, you know, it's it's a nice little. Uh, time where some people let you know that that they're uh you know watching from afar and um you know it's special 
Well, I can tell you, we're going to have Eric Chavez on in five minutes, and he wanted us to tell you. He sent a text message to say congratulations and what's up. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I got that one. No, no, he, he sent it to us. He wanted me to tell you oh, congratulations. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, he had me feeling like I, like I didn't text him back. All right, well, <laughs> no, you're tell, good. Him, uh, tell him what's up and, and thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. We know it's the off season, but A's fans wanted to hear from you and say congratulations. You had a phenomenal year, and we can't wait till next year. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a great ride in 2020. So get healthy, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you guys, and you know, thank you to all the fans out there. We we truly appreciate the the commitment that everybody has, and um, you know, we love. We love the city and, and the culture around Oakland, and uh, we appreciate the, the time and effort that they put in. You know, the one thing that you notice about all these guys with the A's is just how humble they are, and they don't necessarily love talking about themselves. They like, to, they like talking about their teammates, which is a great trait, but this guy is something special. There is no question about it, and he is just entering his prime. Eric Chavez, we love having on the former third baseman, the six-time Gold Glove winner. Got a chance to talk to him about the defense and about Gold Gloves and about Wash and about Olsen and about Chapman. And also, you know, he works as an advisor for the Angels about what's going on with the Anaheim Angels. Here is my conversation with Eric Chavez. Eric, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing well, and we just talked to Matt Olson, and he said uh, thank you for uh, congratulating him on his second gold glove. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I handed out the awards last year in opening day to, to him and Chappie, so very happy for those guys. Yeah, I love seeing guys that, that uh, can score you some runs but also prevent runs for your team, so both of those guys are excellent. Yeah, and, and talk, talking with him, it's like, you know, everybody with the A's wants to talk about home runs and scoring a lot of runs, but the reality is the last two years they've won 97 games each season, and the hallmark of the team really has been their defense. Their defense wins them so many games. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it, it, it is fun, and, and like you said, I everybody does fall in love with the home run, but, you know, when you got guys, like I said, it, if you're not scoring runs, you better be preventing them. But then when you have two monsters that are able to do it on both sides, um, that's what makes both of those guys very special. And, yeah, um, you know, it was, you know, when I played, it was something I took defense, you know, I, I took a lot of pride in my defense more than my offense. And, um, you know, because, you, you, you know, the pitcher's up there making his pitch. He's trying to make a living. So not only are you playing for yourself, but you're also playing for somebody else's career. So I, I took defense very personal. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is you don't win six gold gloves just throwing your glove out there. I mean, you got to work really hard. Yeah, I, I, especially where I came from. I mean, they, they told me I was terrible at defense. And, you know, I think my first year in pro ball, I think I made 35 errors. And then, um, you know, I, I, I worked my butt off and got together with uh, Ron Washington. I, I think everybody knows his name. Um, and the great work that he's done with a lot of people. And, you know, we just uh, – we, we got after it. And, I, I like I said, I, I for me, I just took it personal. I knew when I was making errors, I was letting the guy and the man down. And, um, you know, I, I like I just worked my tail off on it. Weren't you a shortstop? 
I, I was out of high school, yeah, but um, I think Miguel Tejada ended that pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but but you, but you know what? That was that was the awesome thing I think about Billy um, and 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 the and their amateur staff is when they they have a set of players, uh, they they have a plan. You know, they have a vision for um, you know what what it's what it's going to take, and you know they already knew Miguel was going to be the shortstop of the future. And they, they wasted no time. They wasted no time in sending me to third base. And, um, it was, you know, it was going to, you know, somebody playing shortstop their whole life. It took me a little while to get comfortable at third base. And, and once I did, like I said, I took it personal. And, and I try to bring my glove with me every single day. So when I got done playing in college, I became the play-by-play guy for the San Jose Giants. And I'll never forget the Giants were taking on the Modesto A's. And this kid's 20 years old named Miguel Tejada. And he had like 20-something home runs really early. And you're like, I think this guy's going to work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was Miguel. There was a no doubt about Miguel. And, you know, for me, I had never seen a kid from the Dominican Republic. Um, I was very sheltered. I, I never left California. Um, and then kind of seeing Miguel come you know over from the dr was like whoa so this is you know these are what a real shortstop looks like and uh you know like i said they had a vision for us you know they knew i was never going to play shortstop um and they threw me right over to third i was very thankful for it and you know miguel and i had a good five six year run together and it was a lot of fun to play next to him you know we've had ron washington on the program recently because of the success of the atlanta braves and we love having wash on and i just think about how much he's affected this organization. I, I think about your group. I think about what he's done with Marcus Simeon. Changing, he changed Marcus Simeon's career, especially defensively. You have the two Matts, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. You just think about generations of A's players that Ron Washington has helped. You gave him one of your gold gloves. Just talk about what a great mentor, great leader, and teacher Ron Washington is. Yeah, I mean, it, it meant a lot. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, obviously I gave that, that gold glove to Wash because of all the help that he and work that he put into me. But, you know, I, I tell this to people all the time, you know, Wash wasn't just there for the for the for the premier players. He was there for, you know, to, in spring training, literally at 6 a.m., waiting for anybody that would come by, whether it be 99, myself, Mark Ellis, Tejada. You know, he put as much time and effort into anybody that just wanted to get some extra work in. And, you know, I, I just I, I appreciated that. Like I said, he invested a lot, lot of time and energy in myself, but he did it for everybody. And that's the real reason why I gave him that gold glove. And, you know, he's over in Atlanta now doing his thing with, with, with some of those young infielders. But, yeah, I saw, you know, I was doing A's games when uh, they turned Marcus into a shortstop, and it was, you know, it was not pretty. You know, and I know a lot of A's fans are going to remember this. And I, I remember on air saying how it was unfair for Marcus to be put in that position where he's got to learn the premier defensive position on the field at the big league level. And, you know, let alone learning any new position at the big league level, but shortstop. And, you know, to his credit, that, you know, mentally he could have buried himself. And, uh, you know, they got together, they worked out some things, and, and oh my, like, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think his war was second only to Mike Trout this year. And so for him to go around and, and, and turn his career around, especially defensively, um, but himself too, you know, now he's a threat on both sides of the ball. And, you know, when you got multiple players that are 
at the top of their game on both sides, um, it's gonna it's gonna make it's gonna make for winning some ball games for sure. You you, you know what uh, what impressed me so much about that, and you were around it, is how Wash worked with him every single day on just basic fundamental stuff, but they did it in front of all of us. It's like the media got to see it. Everybody got to see it. And I think a lot of guys who have too much pride would not want to do that in front of people. And I think that just tells you a lot about who Marcus Simeon is as a person that he wasn't embarrassed and he wasn't he wasn't afraid to, to let everybody know and watch what was going on with Ron Washington. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not like spring training where you have 12 fields around you and you can go find the backfield and hide. Um, you know, in batting cages too, if you're struggling hitting, you can go into the batting cage where nobody sees what the extra work you're doing. But, you know, unfortunately at the big league level, you got to get your work done at the bit on, on the big field. And yeah, it's Marcus was, you know, I, and I had heard Wash told me he worked so hard at it and, and, you know, and it, you didn't see the immediate results and Marcus stayed with it. And I know he made a ton of, ton of errors that year. And he stayed with it, and he's turned himself in now to, to one of the better top five shortstops in the game. Yeah, it's and he's a super guy, too. I can't can't say enough about him. Now, let's switch over to the Angels. Uh, how excited is everybody about Joe Madden coming back home? Yeah, we're, we're excited. You know, it's been, you know, it, well, well, obviously with the A's, with what they've been doing the last couple of years in Houston, it's been a, it's been a real tough division. So, um, you know, a couple of years back, we, we – you know, we signed Shohei, which we were excited about. Obviously, we got Mike done to that huge, that huge contract, and you know, there's there's no doubt we gotta, you know, we gotta go ahead and try to spend some money and get some players surrounded, you know, uh, around Trouty to get him to the to the postseason. But it's gonna be tough. You know, the A's, you know, they took a, <clears throat> they took a couple steps, you know, a lot earlier than I think even they thought they were going to, and now they're gonna be able to just to add and build on that. And Houston's going to be exactly who they've been for the last four or five years. So um, we've got our, cut, our our work cut out for us. But, you know, like every team, I think you stay optimistic. And, you know, Brad, Brad Austin did a wonderful job. Um, him and I became really close over the last two years working together. Um, but, you know, I, I, th- I think overall, um, Madden's history being in Anaheim and kind of growing up in that organization – um, he, you know, he's, he works really well with young players and he brings a lot of energy and, uh, you know, I, I've yet to sit down with him and have a conversation with him, but from what I've heard from front office staff, it's been nothing but, but really good things to say about him. So, yeah, I mean, I, every team's looking forward to kind of, uh, resetting and rebuilding. And, you know, I think Joe's going to bring a little bit of different energy this year. And, and we're, like I said, we're going to try to spend some money and, and give them some players to uh, put on the field. Yeah, I was telling the story about the A's last spring training game against the Angels at their park. And I was like, I went into the team store and everything there is Mike Trout. Like everything. Yeah. Everything, everything's a, it's yeah. a shirt, hat. You know, I'm like, there's no way they can let this guy. And then when you go to giveaway day, for every giveaway is a Trout giveaway. There was no way they were letting this guy go. No, there, yeah, there's no way. I mean, that's, you know, it, it was, you know, it was one of those things, um, you know, you kind of have to go through the negotiation process. And I know for Mike, it was tough at times. And I know for, our ownership and our front office. Um, there was a little sleepless nights, but I think when you look back at it, it was it was a done deal. Mike's gonna, you know, Mike's gonna be in Anaheim for his whole career. Um, and such a great, great individual. 
Um, you know, I, I, I know we have some Shohei Itani fans out there and his jerseys out there too. And like I said, we're going to try to add some pieces just here to, to help those guys out. But, you know, Mike's a staple of the organization and, you know, one of, one of the faces of major league baseball, but I can't honestly say enough good things about the individual that guy is and, you know, all the awards that he has and the MVPs and stuff like that, the guy's an even better person. And, um, you know, it's been so much fun to, to be next to, him, next to him the last few years. Eric, I am fascinated by Shohei Otani. I mean, he's the Japanese Babe Ruth. I mean, he can – we could potentially see him in the All-Star game hitting and pitching. He's that talented. Heck, he could be in the home run derby too. I just wonder – how much playing time is he going to get from a hitting standpoint if he's pitching on a full-time basis? Yeah, it's tough. It's it's um, it's really tough. We 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 set out a schedule for him that first year, and the, and the first year was a little bit of, of trial and error. And you know, we try to take a little bit of what he did in Japan and kind of incorporate that over here. Um, but obviously, it's it's a lot different schedule. You're dealing with different talent um on this side of the ocean so you know it's you know it was unfortunate he went down with his injury but the guy's a force the guy is so talented um yeah and if he answered that home run derby I, I would i would put money on him to win it i mean he's got as much power as i've seen anybody have i mean he hits balls to places you know where, where barry bonds hit that ball off the of troy percival um in that in that one world series i mean it's he does that he does that at will so um, he's a once in a lifetime, you know, type of talent and, you know, but it's like, it's like anything in this game. Health is so key. Um, and you know, we, we, we rely on him a lot to communicate about how he's feeling. Um, but you know, we're going to put a schedule together and, and, you know, we're going to run the numbers and see how impactful, you know, his bat is compared to how much he pitches. And we're definitely going to try to give him his rest as much as, as needed, but, uh, we need to keep him healthy, and if he's healthy, he's definitely going to be a force. And if you pair him with Garrett Cole, oh, my, what a one-two punch. <laughs> well, you know, I think you could say that anywhere Garrett's going to end up. So, um, I, yeah, I think a lot of teams, he's on a lot of teams' radar. So, what, what a performance and, you know, what a talent he was. And, um, you know, that it, it just goes to show you, though, not always the best team wins the World Series. And, you know, Houston, I, I, there's nobody that can debate they were the best team, but you know, Washington went on this miracle run and, and, and put it together, and um, what a fun World Series. But Garrett definitely, you know, he's in line to, uh, to buy a couple nice homes and a nice car is coming up here in the near future for sure. No doubt about it. Eric, we always appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy the off season because before you know it, we're going to be doing spring training. We'll be, we'll be right back at it. All right, thanks for the call. That guy's going to be a manager someday. There is no question about it. Great guy, and he's got a great baseball mind. Carney Lansford is going to be down at fantasy camp, and Oakland A's fantasy camp this year is going to be absolutely incredible. I mean, the names that are going to be there, you're going to have Jason Giambi, Dave Stewart, Vida Blue, Dallas Braden, Burt Campanaris, Bobby Crosby, who's now a manager in the A's system, Carney Lansford. You're going to have Bip Roberts. It's going to be a lot of fun. January 9th through the 14th. All you need to do is go to Google and put in Oakland A's Fantasy Camp, and the first thing that pops up, click on it. It'll tell you all about it. Or you can go to 
MLB.com slash athletics slash fans slash fantasy camp. Another way to look at it, too, is the number is 510-563-2363. That's 510-563-2363. Or contact our friend Matt Langseth, and you can email him mlangseth at athletics.com. But, yes, fantasy camp doesn't get any better. Go down January 9th through the 14th. You're a big leaguer. You get to be a big leaguer for a week, wear the big league uniform, play in the big league field, hang out with the big leaguers at night and have dinner and some cocktails. It's a lot of fun. Here's my conversation with Carney Lansford. Carney, are you there? I'm here. Well, I was just, you know, as we were calling, I was saying last time we talked to you, we were, we were honoring your 1989 team, and then now it's the offseason. We're talking about fantasy camp. This fantasy camp, all the names of you guys being there, it's going to be a blast. Yeah, I used to do these a few years ago, and, and we really had a lot of fun. Just a lot of really nice people that are huge A's fans, obviously. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that they get to rub elbows with you guys and you get to play, and then at night you have the dinner and, and you're hanging out, it's just really, really special for A's fans. Yeah, it really is. You know, I've met some really nice people uh, during these fantasy camps, and you know, one guy I still kind of stay in touch with who lives in the Bay Area still. Yeah, so it's really, really cool. And now that we hit the offseason, we're looking at the awards. And, you know, we know defense means so much. And you look at what the A's have on the corners with Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. You know, just talk about what you've seen with these kids and how they have just grown defensively. Well, the times that I've seen them play, I haven't seen them play a lot. But uh, the times I have seen, especially Matt Chapman play, he's uh, he's one of the best that's ever played the game over there. Um I would compare him probably just a hair below uh, Nolan Arenado, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> and then uh, Matt Olson, obviously, is, is a tremendous player as well. So um, they're just both really good young players. Yeah, and you think what this gold glove means. You know, I had I had your former teammate on, Mark McGuire, and, you know, for, for Big Mac, we're always talking about the home runs and the home run race. And I asked him about his gold glove, and he said that was actually the biggest accomplishment of his career, and you wouldn't think of that with a guy that hit so many home runs. Yeah, you know, I, he was so underrated as a first baseman. He, I knew he saved me a lot of errors up there, picking balls out of the dirt. But uh, we said for years that, that uh, he should have won more gold gloves, actually, than he did. But, you know, of course, Don Maddenley was around then. And, you know, there were some other pretty good first basemen, but he was highly underrated first baseman. Yeah, and, and as you just said, saved you from some errors. And I think that's the thing that Matt Olson, that, you know, we have all these defensive metrics now, and that's a metric that that's a metric that you just can't you, you can't put put a number on it is he gives you so much comfort as an infielder to where you can take risks because Carney you know he's going to pick it out of the dirt I mean no one has more picks plus he's 6-5 with that wingspan so he gives you that confidence that, that you can gamble on some plays well you know that's, that's the biggest part is you know going all the way across the field like that the first base and you got a big first baseman over there so he had a little bit of room for error, and, and he was the best I, that I ever saw picking balls out of the dirt. So, um, again, like like we talked about, just high, you know, just really underrated as a first baseman. Always, just everybody's want to talk about his home runs, but uh, he's very, very good first baseman. You know, when I think about your guys' team, and I think about a lot of different teams, I think the Nationals are a great example of it. Is that 
sometimes you have to fail before you succeed and you got to learn how to play in the postseason and you've got to you've got to understand what it's like to get over that hump and of course the A's in back-to-back years have lost have won 97 games but they've lost both wild card games you can speak to that you have to learn from your failures well you do I, you know we certainly learned from losing to the Dodgers in 1988 uh, I think what we learned was first off we swept I think it was the Red Sox in the playoffs, and we had you know four or five days off. And like we talked about, I thought what happened to the Nationals, you lose a little bit of timing at the plate when you're off that long. And uh, that certainly was the case with us then. And we learned from that, and in the next year we did a lot of inter-squad inter games to stay sharp. Uh, and we came back against the Giants like you know we didn't have any days off. So we certainly learned from that. Yeah, how shocked were you that the World Series went the way it went? Were all seven games the team on the road was the winner? It's just crazy because, you know, the Nationals uh, hit really well in Houston. Of course, that's a great ballpark to hit in. Uh, and then, you know, the Nationals, I mean, the Nationals really didn't hit very well the first couple of games. Then their offense showed up in, in Washington, and, and uh, you know, the, the momentum just kept swinging, and, Pretty amazing. It's always good for baseball when there's a seven-game World Series. No doubt about it. And I think back to 1989, when you talk about an offseason where you win the World Series, obviously you guys are going to celebrate. You're, you're going to celebrate with your family. When do you need to transition in that offseason for, like, the Nationals from, hey, it was great that we won it to where it's now time to defend it and, and get ready for the season? I always said when I was playing, you get a after the season to heal up from your injuries and, and mentally get, you know, get back in order. And after that, you get back in the weight room and you start lifting weights and, and getting ready for the next uh, spring training. And what people don't realize, it's an incredible accomplishment to get to that final game. You know, I don't care how many times you win or you lose it, just to get to a Super Bowl, just to get to the NBA Finals, just to get to the Stanley Cup Final. You guys made it to three World Series. That, that's a tremendous accomplishment. Yeah, it really was. We should have won another one. But I really feel like we should have beat the, the Reds um, the year that we lost to them. But, you know, um, especially, you know, losing to Jose Rio twice. <laughs> I mean, he was a good pitcher, but he wasn't that good. He shouldn't have been able to shut us down like he did offensively. Uh, but, yeah, just to get there is, is a heck of a, an accomplishment. And, you know, to win one, at least, that was um, you know, that's your dream as a kid, um, is to, to play in a World Series and to win one is, just makes it even better. So. It was uh, quite a team that we had there for three or four years. Carney, we always appreciate the time. Looking forward to seeing you on January 9th through the 14th down there at Fantasy Camp of some of your old teammates and all these people that are going to be showing up. It's, it's going to be a great time. It always is. I'm looking forward to it and uh, look forward to seeing you there. Thank you, Carney. Take care. You do the same. Bye-bye. I'm hoping to be down there, so hopefully I'll be down there with you having a good time. Mike Farron does a great job on Sirius XM MLB channel. He is partner Jim Duquette, who we have on Ace Cast Live all the time. Uh, they break it down every single day on a show called The Power Alley. Plus, Mike also covers the Arizona Diamondbacks. Here is Mike Farron. Mike, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics. We appreciate you coming on. 
Hey, Chris, I'm happy to be with you. How are things? Things are good. Just after Halloween, a little trick-or-treating with the kids, and now we focus on the offseason, and we get the news today that the Mets have made a move. Carlos Beltran going to be their new manager. How do you think that's going to work for him in Flushing? You know, it's a good question. I'm a little, I got to say, I'm a little disappointed just in the sense that I've worked with Eduardo Perez for a couple of years and really, really like him and was really hopeful that he would end up there. But uh, Carlos is one of the brighter ballplayers, I think, that most of us have come across. You you can't help but but find respect for him. just by not just by what he accomplishes as a player, but in dealing with him as a person, he's extremely bright. Um, he is someone who, you know, really ha- has a great feel for baseball. And I think, you know, walking into that room and having some big personalities and veteran guys like Robinson Cano, just just being able to know that what you're, you're talking about a player who's a borderline Hall of Fame candidate. I think that's going to carry a lot. And I think he's very good at communicating with people. So it's a little bit of a risky move, I guess, in that he hasn't coached or managed before. But if anybody can handle it, I think it is likely Carlos. Yeah, how much do you think they were looking over at the Yankees and Aaron Boone and seeing how successful he's been? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I think Brody Van Wagen, more than anything, was looking for somebody who was, you know, his guy that he could – kind of grow with. I mean, Brody, when he came in last year, inherited Mickey Calloway as the manager there. And so he wanted to be in a position, I think, where he you know, felt like he was aligned philosophically. And, and it seems like that's probably most likely what's happened. I mean, Beltran spent a lot of his career with the Yankees and with the Astros. And so he's been exposed to a lot of the more cutting edge ideas. Um, and I think that those are, you know, positives for him in, in walking into that role with the Mets. And uh, I'm sure it probably had as much to do with the fact that, you know, he was interested in a job. Um, you know, he was rumored as a, a candidate for the Yankees. And when uh, Aaron Boone uh, got the job, in fact, I believe he interviewed with Brian Cashman at that point. So uh, so I think it probably had more to do just with the fact that, you know, Beltran was interested, wanted to manage in New York, had a relationship with the Mets because he played there, that it did, you know, as an answer to Aaron Boone coming out of the TV booth to be the manager of the Yankees. We just had your partner on, Jim Duquette, talking about this. Kind of a Oh, no. <laughs> He's great, isn't he? He's the best. So we were, talking, we were talking about this crazy World Series. You know, only one game was close, but it was really a wild World Series. You know, I saw and my buddy Andy McCullough from The Athletic was writing about that the other day. He was talking about how the first five games weren't all that exciting, and I was like, what, what World Series were you watching? The games were close through the middle. And even the ones that ended up being, you know, four, one, five, one, seven, one games. Even the, the losing team had tons of opportunities to score runs early on, and couldn't cash in. And I think a lot of times, rather than you know back and forth, those teams struggling with those opportunities helps to build drama. And we certainly saw that in in Game Seven, right? I mean, the Astros had what. 10 runners that they left on base against Scherzer through the first five innings. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable total. And then, you know, they down. But I, I thought it was a pretty compelling World Series. In fact, I, you know, I know there were probably better games and better comebacks in the 2018 series with the Red Sox winning, but I enjoyed this World Series more than I did last year's. And just the fact that the road team won every single game. We actually, Nuts. yeah, we actually talked. We, it's going to air later today, but we actually a good friend Chip Hale of ours, who is the yeah. bench bench coach for the Nationals, and I asked him. I said, Chip, 
why do you think that is? And he goes, well, you know what? And this was probably the best answer I've heard because no one really has had an answer of why the road team has done so well. He talked about how Major League Baseball sets the timing for the World Series, and the home team takes batting practice so early, and then you're put you're put on ice before the start of the game. He thinks that might be, at least, I don't know about you, that's the best explanation I guess I've heard so far. I think it's a good theory, and I love Chip, too. I, you know, I was fortunate in 16 to be with him with the Diamondbacks. My first year there, he was the manager, and I was so happy for him as a baseball lifer to get his ring like that. That just means so much. Um, I, I, you know, like, I like the theory from Chip, but I think, you know, I, I kind of made this point yesterday, Chris, like, it, for as much as we talk about what we think we know about, we don't really know anything, right, in the end. And we make a big deal out of home field advantage, but most of the information shows us that home field advantage in baseball isn't really as important as it is in other sports. And to me, that probably drives home the point more than anything. Now, are we ever going to see it again? Probably not. I mean, I think we're probably more likely to see, what have we had, three World Series in the last 32 years, three or four, where the home teams have won it every single game? It doesn't happen all that often. I don't think that we may ever see it again, but I do think it, it is what we should take from it is, hey, listen, this idea that home field advantage is super, super important for teams and whether or not they win or lose isn't all that important. It's important, I think, from an organization standpoint to play as many games in front of your fans as possible, and I think it's important as a fan to want to see your team play as many games in your home park as possible, but for the actual winning and losing outside of the entertainment aspect, I don't think it's quite as important as we try to make it out to be. From an A's perspective, obviously we're going to be looking closely at Garrett Cole because right now he affects the A's being on the a- uh, on the Astros. He's a free agent. He would dramatically affect the A's if he stays in division and he either goes back to the Astros or rumored to the Angels. We would awfully wouldn't want to see him with the Yankees at all. I would love it if he signed with the San Diego Padres or the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, if you had to handicap this thing. Where do you think Garrett Cole will end up? Well, first of all, I want to say thanks for looking out for yourself. First yes, of course. As a Diamondbacks broadcaster, I really appreciate the idea of Garrett Cole being in the National League West. Thanks a lot. All right, you know what? Let's um, let, 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 <laughs> let's send him to the NL East. How about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the safe money though is on Cole going back west. Um, I think that's the the biggest thing, and and I would think that you know the Dodgers. Andrew Friedman has said in the past that he feels like starting pitching is the single most overvalued commodity. I don't know if his feeling on that has changed over the last three or four years. I'd be curious to see if it does as he gets into free agency this year because Cole is a pretty special player. I think the safe money is on the Angels. He grew up in Orange County. He went to Angels games. He went to UCLA. You know, he's, he, he kind of checks all the boxes there. And you saw it. Like, that's not a terrible team, but they had terrible pitching. And if they can fix the pitching with Trout and what will hopefully be for them a healthy Upton and um, Joe Adele coming and some of the pieces that they have offensively, I actually think they should be a pretty good team next year. So I think it's easy to say that's the safe money. Now, that said, it just doesn't feel like – He's going to go east. He's already spurned the Yankees once. He did that as an amateur. I'm not sure as much as they would love to have Garrett Cole unless their number is ridiculous on it that he's going to end up there. I think it's a much safer bet that he ends up in the AL West. Sorry. Or if he goes to the NL West, I'll throw you a sleeper team in there too as the Giants. Wow. 
Yeah. Uh, didn't see that one coming. I think that that's, I mean, that's something I've heard a little bit in the last couple of weeks is that they would be interested in Cole to anchor the rotation. I think there's this perception that they're a team that's rebuilding. And I don't think their ownership has never wanted to rebuild. They're not interested in rebuilding. And I think they're looking, you know, they played on Harper last year. And I think when you have high-end players available, I think if you're in a, in a position like the Giants are, you know, I mean, I think it's a team that you look at and go, okay, you know, he's the kind of guy you get. Uh, so I, I would not be surprised if they play on him. I don't know that he's going to end up there, but it's, it's just a team to think about in the mix with them. Well, his brother-in-law, Brandon Crawford, is the shortstop, yep. and, his, and uh, his wife grew up in Pleasanton uh, in, in the East Bay, so I could maybe see that. Hey, from the, from the Diamondbacks' perspective, not yep. pretty decent season. You trade Grinky. What was the reaction like? What was your reaction like when they traded Grinky to Houston? <laughs> Well, I was surprised only from this standpoint. They, Mike Hazen has been steadfast in saying that they would only move Grinky if they were able to get a return for him that they felt like was commiserate with the talent. They weren't just going to dump money, at, and they weren't going to eat every last dollar either because they felt like he'd been paid fairly because he'd been really good. So I was a little bit surprised that they were able to thread the needle and pull it off, but I don't think it. I think it, the thing is that it's been met mostly with um, a positive reaction from Diamondbacks fans, not because they uh, didn't appreciate Grinky, but I think they see the plan. Mike Hazen's outlined the plan. We need to, you know, he, when he. I know a lot of times uh, you hear executives say sustainable, and and it makes you think, oh, they're going to go out and do this on the cheap. They're really competitive, and they've tried to win every year. They haven't sold the far or you know sold off players to just completely rebuild so i think what you're seeing is that the the fans have buy-in and okay they want to win they're going to try and and build uh, a team that um you know allows them the most flexibility to be able to add players as possible and so there's buy-in from it and it helps that you know they have they bought a little bit of 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 credibility with the fan base in trading Paul Goldschmidt and getting Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver, who, you know, before Weaver got hurt, was pitching really well, and Kelly had an excellent year. So I think all of those things have kind of factored into it, and they've been okay with the Grinky deal. And now the Diamondbacks are in a position where they have some flexibility this offseason to be able to spend. They're going to try and upgrade their offense. They have some depth in the starting pitching, so it's not like they have to pay at the high end there. And I think that they're going to be competitive, you know, at the very least for a wild card, if not in the National League West as a whole. Let's end on this. For you and Jim, what's the number one storyline for you guys heading into the offseason? Um, for us heading into the offseason, I don't know. It's probably whether or not Jim will actually pick up a check at the winter meetings. That's wow. Probably good no. you, you, <laughs> hey, you know what? We'll be down there. I'll buy you a beer. That I, listen, I will drink that beer, and I might buy you one too. No, I think. I mean, I think our, the biggest storyline is like: Are we going to have a, an off season? Like, are we? Is it going to be the same junk that we've had to go through for the last three years, where we just spend time rolling our eyes at the fact that nobody wants to spend and nobody wants to trade and everybody wants to be stuck in the middle? And now, I made the point yesterday morning. I'm like, listen, maybe maybe I'm being a little bit of a Pollyanna in this, but there are a lot more front offices whose jobs are on the line this year going in than in the past. And I think we're also to the sweet spot in the collective bargaining agreement. And that generally, in the last couple, so if you go back to the previous CBA, the first two years, spending wasn't where 
it was at the end of the, the CBA. There was a little bit more cautiousness. And this year, it was through the first three years, and I think part of it is because the collective bargaining agreement wasn't agreed to until like the day before the winter meeting started or two days before the winter meeting started in 2016. So I think that you've kind of gone through this adjustment period with it. So couple that with front offices whose tails are on the line and some teams that could really use to spend because they've seen declining attendance and interest in their team. And I think all of that is going to factor in. So I'm hopeful that that means coupled with teams coming out of the rebuild, having a need to compete, that we're going to have a much more active winter. And I think San Diego's, you know, San Diego's a place in that last CBA that the winter meetings really – like that was a crazy winter meetings in 2015. That was a nuts year um, going into the 2015 season. I think that has a chance to do that too because I do think there is something about San Diego that like, nobody wants to actually stay in the hotel. Everybody wants to go out to dinner, go out, do things, and it leads your mind to – get away from grinding through everything in the hotel suite a little bit, and I think it helps to, to foster a better environment for deals. Mike, great stuff. Hope to have you on again soon, and I will be buying you beers in San Diego. <laughs> that I am looking forward to anytime. And let me tell you, we are so impressed, uh, it, not just with the Diamondbacks, but with Sirius, with all the stuff that you guys are doing on AceCast. It is so cool. It is such a great idea. We absolutely love it. So, like, keep up the great work because I listen a lot, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing, Tony. Hey, thank you so much, Mike. That really means a lot. And and, and because of that, I'll even buy you more beers in San Diego. <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's good. I will uh, finish them both quickly. <laughs> thank so you, you, Mike. Third. <laughs> Take care. You too. Well, that's going to do it for A's Unfiltered. We want to thank Matt Olson, Eric Chavez, Carney Lansford, and Mike Farron. Always love doing this for A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.